Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Every single person will come to a place in their life where they're searching for God, even though they don't know it. So what does that say? It says this, that your neighbor, your co-worker, your friend at college, at high school, the person that you sit next to in the cubicle at work, if they're not a believer, what do they have in their heart? As a whole. When you first are learning to read, the letters and sequence of words have no meaning. Once you become familiar with it, words begin to make sense, and reading from left to right become automatic. But what if suddenly everyone was required to read from right to left? We would all struggle, having been conditioned to the other way. For many who become believers, either from another faith or none at all, worshiping, praising, and communing with God is completely foreign. It's easy to fall back into what we are comfortable with. And for all of us, what we're comfortable with is the flesh. But the more we throw off the flesh, the more foreign it will become to us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, for part one of our message entitled, Believe and Proclaim. Now, we're in a very interesting area. In some of your Bibles, as you look, these verses 9 through 20 in Mark chapter 16, some scholars believe really don't belong in the Gospel of Mark. It is true that some of the best Greek manuscripts that we have that are intact from the year about 400 do not include this passage from 9 to 20. But it's interesting that two of our church fathers, guys that we're not too familiar with, Bill Love would know them, Irenaeus and Hippolytus, quoted much from these verses, 9 through 20, and they quoted in the year of 200 to 300. So because of that, we believe that older manuscripts, many older manuscripts have these, and we believe that these verses are here. Now, also... If there was something in these verses 9 to 20 that was very unique and contradicted other passages in the Bible or was something we'd never heard of, then there, I think there'd be a little more debate. But really, anything that we cover in these verses has already been mentioned in other parts of the Bible. So we definitely believe that they're part of the Scripture, genuine, and we're just going to teach from them this morning. Now, I have to bring you up to speed as we get ready to do this. How many would like to go to heaven? I didn't look, but I hope most of you would raise your hand. Sometimes we never know when we're going to go and how it's going to happen. There was a, a young man who arrived at the pearly gates and was waiting to be admitted. And while he was there, St. Peter began to look through the book of life and he couldn't find his name. Well, that would make you a little anxious. St. Peter closed the book and he says, I'm sorry, but I don't see your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And the young man who arrived said, well, how current is your copy? I mean, you know, he's hoping. And St. Peter, being in the intelligent age that we live in now, says, well, I get a download every 10 minutes. 
why do you ask? And the individual says, well, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but you remember in church you used to hear these people that wait till their deathbed to get saved. Well, I was one of those. I was a stubborn type. It wasn't until my death that it was real imminent that I cried out for God to save me. So probably your copy hasn't been updated. And can we wait just those 10 minutes and see if I'm in that new update? Well, Peter said that'd be fine. And so while they're waiting, St. Peter says to the young man, well, since we got some time to wait here, 10 minutes, can you, can you tell me about a good deed that maybe you remember that you did in your life? The young man goes, hmm. Well, yes, he says, here's one. He says, I was driving down a road, and as I drove down a road in my car, I saw this group of bikes and motorcycles on the side, and, and I saw these gang members over there, and they were harassing this beautiful young lady. And I slowed down, and sure enough, there's about 20 of them encircling this girl. And I got so mad that I stopped the car. I went to the trunk. I pulled open the trunk. And I got this big metal tire iron. And I went right for the leader of this gang. And when I got there, this leader was bigger than I thought he was going to be. He was six foot four and 260 pounds and had this studded leather jacket. You, you remember some of those kind of guys. And he says, as I saw him, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but then I saw them angrily harassing this girl again. And then all these other 20 surrounded me and the girl. The young man said, there was one other identifying characteristic of the leader. He had this huge chain that rang from his nose to his ear. And he says, I got so mad as I watched that, and I saw this poor young girl there being really harassed, that I just went and ripped that chain off of that guy's nose and right out of his ear. And then I took that tire and I just mashed it right over his head. Well, the minute I did it, he said, these other gang members encircled me, and I said, get back, get back, you leave this poor innocent girl alone, you're all a bunch of sick, deranged animals. Go home before I teach you what pain really is. St. Peter went, man, this is what a story. I mean, you did really do a great thing. He says to the young man, when, when did this happen? And the young man said, about three minutes ago. <laughs> now, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we bite off more than we can chew. We're not sure where we're going to be. This morning we pick up a, a passage of scripture that is very interesting. And I'm going to give you three points to mark down. But before we get to those points, I want to bring you up to speed. Now, you're going to have to put your shoes off again and your sandals on because we're the 11 disciples. Jesus Christ has come. He's died on the cross. Three days later, he's resurrected. He begins to meet with different people around Jerusalem. We remember we studied. He met with the disciples in Galilee. He also met with 500 people, the book of Corinthians tells us. But just before he goes back to heaven to intercede for you and I to be there, he meets with the disciples one last time. This is where we're at this morning. So you have to picture his message to the disciples is the same message that's going to be transmitted to you and I. What does he tell them? What are the principles? What are we to learn today? Now, when he meets with them, he realizes that the very first thing he's going to say is that their relationship with God is going to be very different than they were used to. It'd be like this morning if all of a sudden tomorrow we got up 
And in the newspaper, for some reason, the state of Florida has decided to change the side of the road we're to drive on. Can you imagine going to work tomorrow? It'd be very difficult because we've been used to driving on this side. Now we'd have to drive on that side. It would be a disaster as we went through. Well, this is what happens with the disciples. They've been used to worshiping this way. Maybe even some of you have been used to worshiping this way. And you come to church and you went, what is that music? Man, I kind of like it, but should you be happy in church? Should you be? Oh, well, sure. Cool, man. That's right. This is the new way. So what happens is you're going to see the old and then you're going to see the new. Now we're used to the new. So, but you have to feel for the disciples. Let's take a look at it. The old system of worshiping God in the Jewish nation was temple based. When you worship God, you went to the temple. You went to a church building. And we know that that was a standard. And when Jesus died, that holies of holies, that veil that was there was rent in two. So that began to give us a clue that something was going to change. The second thing you notice, it was Jerusalem-based. God in the Old Testament would say, whether it was at Shiloh or different places, he would say to the Jews, this is where you are to come and worship me. This building, this place. Thirdly, when you come to worship, the worship will be centered around God, but also will be centered around a person leading the worship. It will be a priest. And this priest is the one that's going to lead you into worship. Now, that's what they were used to, whether it was the high priest or one of the other priests. Now, what we find is Jesus comes and he says to his disciples, now, something new is coming. Here's the new. First of all, no longer is worshiping God related to a building. It's now to be in the marketplace. You see, this is still very strange for many people, maybe even you this morning. You say, what do you, you mean worship isn't based out of a church? No, it isn't. Worship is now based out of your heart. You see, if you become a Christian, it's no longer about this building. It's about your heart. I, I should worship God all day, any day, wherever I am. We'll talk more about that later. Secondly, it isn't based in Jerusalem certainly, or in Mecca, or in big downtown West Melbourne. It's related to all the world. That's where worship is supposed to happen. We worship wherever. Lastly, and this is the key, it isn't related anymore to a pastor, or to a priest, or to some special holy person. You and I are priests unto God. That's what the scripture says. So we're all priests unto God. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Why is that any different? Well, you're going to see why it's vastly different than many of us even understand this morning. Here's the three keys. Here's the first one. God's goal, share the good news everywhere. Share the good news everywhere. Let's look at verse 15. Mark 16. Look, if you will, in your Bibles, down to verse 15. And here's where you begin to take notes. And he said to them, this is Jesus, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So Jesus was saying to his disciples, remember, we got our shoes off. We're the disciples. We're there. He's saying to them, we're sitting around here. And Jesus says, okay, my work on the cross 
is done. Sinful man can find a holy God through the work of the cross, if they choose. Now, take this message, and you, you disciples, you go to all the world, outside of Israel, the whole world, and you share the good news everywhere. Write this verse down, Mark 1, 17. You can look it up later. But it's interesting to me that when Jesus began his ministry, when he began his ministry, he called his disciples and he said this, Come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. So here we are, three and a half years later, and exactly the same call to them hasn't changed at all. God's goal has always been to take the good news to the world. And Jesus says to the disciples, okay, now you go. Remember three and a half years ago, I said, come follow me. I'm going to show you how to win the world. Now you go and do it. I'm leaving. And so right by that little statement, you write one, write this. Keep the main thing, the main thing. See, the main thing is sharing the gospel through all the world. That's the charge that you have, that I have this morning, that the disciples have. It has never changed. It will never change. It's very important you understand that because when you're going to see a poll in a few moments, you're going to see how far we've gone. Keep the main thing the main thing. All right, here's the key. Now, if I'm responsible to go and, and say to the world, well, Jesus Christ can take you who is a person that's lost and take you and get you acquainted with God again, and you, you can have all your sins forgiven, you can be restored to God. How many people want to hear that message, Pastor Mark? I mean, can't be very many people that want to hear that message. That's where we're wrong. Listen about this. When God created mankind, He put within you, and He put within me, a spiritual heart. And in that spiritual heart, there is a hole, a void. So every single person that's ever been born has an empty spot in their spiritual heart that only God can fill. It's a God-given hole. You have it this morning if you're not a Christian. There's a place you're looking for completeness. Now, to give you an example of how that works, let me share two with you this morning. Bernard Longer. Anybody hear of him ever? Great golfer. Here was the article that he wrote, and he says this. I thought I had everything, money and victory and fame, and a wonderful family, but here's what he puts. Something was missing. Something was missing. He says here, the response, what was missing? A personal relationship with God. He says, for a long time, my life revolved around golf and golf and more golf. I'd won seven tournaments in a year. I was ranked number one in the world. I had all kinds of acclaim and on top of it, a beautiful wife. I thought I had everything. But one day I said to myself, why wasn't I happy? Now, what is that? Why wasn't I happy? It's the void. It's the emptiness. It's the spot that God's placed in your heart and my heart that says, unless you know me, unless you know me, you'll never be satisfied. Now you say, well, what pastor and, and what priest or what holy person 
brought Bernard to God. Well, let me read on. Until one day, another golfer helped me find the way to a personal relationship with God. You see, God loves golfers. <laughs> see there? That's what it says right there. Now, now, what does that mean? It means this. Remember I told you, we're to go into all the world and share the gospel. So who shared the gospel with Bernard? Another golfer. Not a priest. A golfer. A golfer golfer. Can you imagine that? A golfer said, I know what's missing in your life. It's Jesus Christ. He didn't go to a building. He didn't go to a church. A golfer. There's another one. There's another one. You might not know his first name, but you're familiar with his second name. Franklin Graham. Billy Graham's son. Listen to what he says. For years, I didn't want Jesus Christ in my life. I ran from him. I was afraid that if I gave my life to God, I'd have a spiritual straitjacket. I wanted to be free. I wanted to make myself happy. And there was a lot of fun. No question about it. There was an emptiness. What is the emptiness? It's the void. It's the hole. Franklin says this. There was a big hole in the middle of Franklin Graham. Now, if you know anything about computers, you're familiar with search engines. You can put something in and it searches for it. Here's what I want you to get this morning. Every single person will come to a place in their life where they're searching for God, even though they don't know it. So what does that say? It says this, that your neighbor, your co-worker, your friend at college, at high school, the person that you sit next to in the cubicle at work, if they're not a believer, what do they have in their heart? There's a hole. And they're at some point going to be in the search mode. They're going to look for God. And so that encourages me because that means at some point I'm going to, and there's some of you here this morning, they're in the search mode. Some were here last week. They found God. They found the relationship. All of a sudden things are right. It makes sense. You see, you will come. Your friends will come. Somebody will come to a place in their life when they say this. They have all of these things and they're going to say basically this. Is that all there is? Is that all? I mean, I've traveled everywhere I've done. Is that all there is? Yes, that's all there is of the world. And then that's when you and I step in and say, well, I can tell you there's one thing more, and it's Jesus Christ. So that encourages us. That means that God has already prepared people's hearts. Now, how do we expect them to hear the good news? Here's how we expect them to hear the good news. In those days, how did they hear the good news? They heard them one-on-one. Today, we have some wonderful things in the Western world. Sometimes they're wonderful. We have all kinds of things on the Internet, and that's good. People are getting saved on the Internet. That's wonderful. We have radio stations. That's great. We have TV where some good Christian programs are on. I think that's wonderful. We have some bizarre Christian TV that's on. That's totally off the wall. 
And if you're a non-believer and you look at some of this, quote, Christian TV, you'll never become a believer. Those people are too bizarre. They're too weird. They're just not normal. Let me give you an example of why it's very important for you as a Christian. Don't be an idiot. Turn the TV on and watch this channel and go, wow, they're Christians. Everything they're saying, I'm going to believe. Listen to one I heard during a telethon. It's totally wrong. 100% wrong. And it went all over the world. This young man stood up, he had a book, and he says, this is what the message God has given me. God cannot use you if you're poor. So his whole talk was on prosperity. You must be prosperous. The minute he said that, the Holy Spirit spoke right to my heart. He said, Acts 3. Peter and John, after the day of Pentecost, went to a poor beggar that was at the temple gate. And here's exactly the words from Acts. The beggar was begging to be give some alms. Peter and John said, silver and gold have we none. So they were what? So that's the end of the story. Because you can't be used by God if you're poor. Is that the end of the story? No. Here's what they said. But in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Now, if you're listening to that garbage, and that's your philosophy, you're in deep trouble. Turn it off. You see, Satan puts these bizarrety people on with this stuff that's off balance. It's all into money. You need to be rich. I watch it just to see the bizarrety. If you give $2,000 to this ministry, you'll come out of debt. I know who's going to come out of debt. The world looks at it and goes, what is that? I ain't going to church. They're only after my what? Right. And Satan goes, right on. It's bizarrety. Now, they mean well. I know what they mean. They mean that we want this money to spread the gospel. But the means do not justify the end, does not justify the means. You can't use weird stuff to get to the end. The disciples use the power of God. Ask me how I feel about it sometime and I'll tell you. Now, yeah. the other thing you have to watch for is this. We have this church mentality in the Western world. Well, people are going to come to Christ. Just build a building, put a sign on, the people will come. Do you really believe that? Not a chance. Not a chance. So how do we win people to Jesus Christ? One on one. Our voice, our feet, our hands, our body. It hasn't changed. Yes, we believe in mass evangelism and many wonderful programs. Just be, just be aware of the bizarrety. If it sounds weird, it is. Well, it's a very personal thing. You just leave it up to them. Well, Jesus just said, in a command, you go into all the world and share. It isn't like option A3. A, I'll take option B7, God. What is that one? It's the same as A1. Go into all the world. Never changed. It's a command. I'm too busy with my things. Why should I worry about somebody that's lost? I found a way. I enjoy church. Cool, man. I'm here for the service. What else do you want? Jesus' priority never changed. Today's message from Mark chapter 16 dealt with the shift that Jesus' followers experienced in the way that they worshipped God. Before, worship took place at the temple centered around Jerusalem and was presided over by a priest. 
After Jesus, worship could happen all the time, anywhere you went, in your heart. There was no need for a human intercessor or a temple. And Jesus tasked believers to share that good news with everyone. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3167. And the title of this message is Believe and Proclaim. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is MB3167. And the title of this message is Believe and Proclaim. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue through Mark 16. Pastor Mark will explain how though worship has changed since Jesus came, some churches still become distracted by fleshly things. There are countless things that can become tools of the devil when it comes to religion. And instead of leading people towards Jesus, those things actually drive them away. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 